Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Coffee with Friends. The guests on our live streams present a diverse set of values, morals, and ethics that do not reflect the morals, values, and ethics of the Mr. Amish. This live stream may also discuss trauma of all sorts to include all types of abuse. Viewers and listeners will find it unsettling and triggering. If this live stream causes you distress, please cease listening until you're able to listen again. You may also seek support from a trusted person, qualified mental health professionals as needed. Welcome to the show. With that being said, I'd like to welcome Joshua. Good morning, Hello. Joshua. Good morning. Would you like to introduce yourself? And uh, yeah, sure. Um, uh, so my name is Joshua. Um, I should probably divulge my pronouns. My pronouns are he, him, and his. Uh, I am, I, I am a former. Uh, brethrenist um if that's the correct term uh which for those of you who aren't familiar is I, i'm pretty sure kind of an offshoot of anabaptism or something like that um okay I, yeah. Yeah, yeah so is there a specific type of brethren or do you not feel comfortable disclosing that oh i don't know okay yeah so uh it's uh so i came from a uh Brethren Church that was known as the Plymouth or denomination of Brethrenism called the Plymouth Brethren. Um, it actually wasn't until I met Mary. It actually wasn't until I met you that I learned that there were different flavors of Brethrenism, for lack of a better term. Like I had never heard of the River Brethren or uh, I think Dunker uh, Brethren. Dunkard, Dunkard Brethren. Dunkard, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was, um, yeah, I've never heard of those before. Um, so yeah, I was raised Plymouth Brethren. Lots of hyper biblical uh, literalism um, or hyper literal biblical uh, biblical interpretation, um, and a whole lot of a uh, whole, whole lot of weird trauma wrapped up in that, especially around the rapture. So also like a bizarre focus on the apocalypse, which was which was okay. yeah very interesting. I mean, like okay, so. Um... I, I guess we could start by by kind of saying how interesting it is that you were in such a bubble you didn't even know there were other denominations of brethren. Oh yeah. I, I, mean, I find that utterly fascinating. Like, did y'all not know that there were others like you, just different flavors, or was it kept from you? So it was very I mean, it was very much kept. Um I to, to some extent, and I think this kind of just um really kind of demonstrates how deep the information, uh, you know, the, the, the disinformation campaign goes. Um, I don't know if even my parents knew that there were other variants of brethrenism. Uh, I'm not, I, I'm not sure that even they knew. Uh, growing up, um, there were other brethren churches, uh, specifically Plymouth Brethren churches that like my church share denominational similarities with. Um, and we all sort of, you know, we all would converge at a place. Um, so I'm, I'm from Wisconsin, um, it's Midwest crew up in here. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah, what's up. That's what's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just, it. yeah, I just, I just, uh, actually <laughs> on a totally different tangent. Um, I just had some time, uh, in my own space, uh, uh to memorialize, uh, the Midwestern Roman empire, which is the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Um, <laughs> That bell rang 30 times this year and uh, man, that, that, that sadness hits different, but anyway, um, but so, so basically like in our little, I'm sorry, what? I just, 
I do have a suggestion, you know, in true Midwestern fashion, like just think about the brandy old fashioned that could help you alleviate some of that grief. Oh man. Continue. Um, I mean, <laughs> man, when I'm getting down, my rule of thumb is if they're serving it in a glass in terms of height that is larger than this, they fucked up. They 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 fucked up. It's not a right. It is Anyways. not an old fashioned. I'm sorry. Yeah. Any who's. <laughs> Um, so, um, our, our churches across the Wisconsin state area, um, there were a couple brethren churches, um, in Wisconsin that my church would coordinate with. And, uh, there were, uh, there was one actually in Minneapolis, and then there was another in kind of like in the Chicago, uh, Mount Prospect area. Um, and all of those churches kind of just I mean, it was weird, like you would have, you know, family members from one, you know, every now and then visit the other. And it was kind of like it was it was pretty close knit. But the focal point for all of these churches centered around Westby, Wisconsin, had a place called Living Waters Bible Camp, which. Oh, my. Has. A whole... Oh, my. <laughs> there, I can't. I, I am. Can't. <laughs> I am but one of many <laughs> that crawled out of that. Um, that theologically traumatizing cesspool that they call a Bible camp. I mean, that sign. Yeah. That sign, first mm -hmm. off. And, and I know we've had this conversation, but I'm going to go there anyways, because I think it's important that people understand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Living Waters Bible Camp had a small little sign out in the middle of like bumfuck Egypt, quite frankly. If you blinked, you missed it. Yep. And yep. you did not see the actual camp. Mm -mm. Nope. You could not see that from the road. It wasn't something that was visible. No, no, it, it was, it, it's in a valley. Um, you could, if the sign didn't exist, you would have you, you there is no inkling of any type of evidence that that place exists you could drive past it you'd have no clue that it's there um i'm actually quoting the camp's director right now which when he said those words that was when i realized oh oh i'm in the bad place right now i need to get the fuck out um did you ever watch the good place no i mean i've seen a few episodes i really want to i it's i've i've been uh, a couple of my friends who are like more into like philosophy and have like read like Kant, I think are, are really like, oh, you've got to watch The Good Place. Um, well, it, but, looks, it looks interesting. But you mentioned like being in the bad place and I just felt like, you know, that yeah, game, no, that's like that show. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, no. And like I've seen I think I've seen like uh, I think I may have seen like a clip of that where it's just like, oh, you're actually in the bad place, <laughs> you know. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah. So. Uh, uh, about how long ago was that? Like when you, when your director like quoted that? That was, um, and that was the summer of 2015, which was, um, that was my last summer there. Um, and that was the summer where I was starting to put two and two together and uh, realizing, oh, this place is actually um, like it, it, very, very toxic. Um, you can, the fact I was 21. Um, mm -hmm. So fun fact about me, I'm adopted. Um, 
my it's a little difficult to talk about but i think it's worth talking about really um that summer was the summer that i met my birth family um i had never met my biological parents or my biological siblings i i didn't even know that i had biological siblings uh until the summer of 2015. um and i also found out that oh they actually kind of live not near that part of wisconsin they live like around two hours away like in eau claire um but or or one of them lived there and the other was visiting uh and camp was a sort of place where it didn't matter how old you were um if you left you had to not just get permission from the person above you you had to also get a person permission from the person above the people that were above you you had to literally go up the chain of command essentially and then you had to sign out and give an approximation of when you'd be back and if you were not back by that time like someone would go to find you um there was no like like either that or like they would call you or there was like it, there was no you couldn't really have any agency. Um, so they controlled your physical movement. Oh, oh, hundred percent. Um, absolutely. Uh, and when I, when my biological sister, um, basically, and, and you know, when I got in contact with her, you know, for the first time, uh, she was like, Hey, like, you know, come over to my grandparents, you know, cottage, you know, your other sister's going to be there. And I've got this musical that I'm in. And I was like, Oh, hundred percent. Um, this is the first time I'm meeting these people. This is crazy. Um, and, um, yeah, when I told, when I, when I tried to get permission from like, you know, the people at camp, it was, it was interesting because on one, uh, you could tell that they were, there was a competing, I guess, um, sort of desire for both from, from people at, at camp, from the people that I had to get permission from. You'd have, I would, I would ask them, I, I remember asking them like, yeah, like I'm, these are people that I, that <laughs> are part of my biological family. I've never met them before. And the first thing out of their mouth was, okay, well, will you be back in time to set up chairs for, you know, the uh, parents that we have coming in on Sunday? It, it was just like this sort of just, you know, you know, uh, it just, th this, failure to recognize oh this is important to somebody and might supersede this random thing that camp has going on um, it was it was strange um you know and then even you know coming back uh you know the sort of uh way that our social lives would be policed was ridiculous um you know uh if you spent too much time with the opposite sex you would be taken aside and you would get talked to. Um, yeah, it was, and, and yeah, no, your personal life didn't matter. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> That's the thing. Camp comes first at camp. Um, well, very... you know, even though you're, you know, being adopted in, a, in and of itself is trauma because being separated from your family of origin, from your birth family is in fact trauma. I, oh, I do understand that. I can never understand what it's like to be adopted, but I can hold, hold space for you to talk about that because I do understand that it is very traumatic for people to be separated from their families of origin. And then for you to have this experience where the church comes across to me, it feels kind of like they're, they're supposed to be your, your church family, right? Like you're, 
kind of like your source of comfort, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But instead, what you're getting from them is callousness, casual dismissal. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, You know, it just didn't. Where's, yeah. The only time, the only time that my adoptive, and actually had a a pretty tense conversation with a, with someone who I, I think is still in the brethren. Um, because they had posted something about adoption, which just, um, when, when it comes to people who are adopted within these circles of fundamentalism, um, your identity, your existence, the aggregate of who you are as a person doesn't matter. Um, the only time that it does matter is when you're, pastor or whoever is giving a sermon um, is reminded that, oh yeah, Christ died on the cross and adopted us as his family, just like X, X person, you know, that's really the only time that your identity or as a person who's been adopted, that's the only really time like that it matters is when it serves that sort of, serves as a way to reinforce um, that theological belief, theological belief. Um, can, I ask, can I ask you a question about some of that? Sure. Uh, when you're talking about that, did you also have the feeling, and, and not to put words in your mouth, it's fine if you never had this feeling, but did you ever have the feeling that you were expected to be grateful for being adopted? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so I was adopted... <laughs> What? It's, I'm sorry. It's just like it's fun. Like no one's ever you asked me laugh. that before. I'm you sorry. can laugh. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I, I'm not laughing at you. Like no, no I get it. That. Yeah, and it's like there's like a literal. All right, so like no, I'm so like I'm mixed as fuck. I was adopted by uh, the, the whitest people I know. Um, they're uh, you know German immigrants, and so and I so I was I was always informed. I was very well informed that a there is a price tag for how much I cost because nothing's free in the U S especially adoption. So there is literally a dollar amount over my head. Um, that could probably be adjusted for inflation. Cause I was adopted in 1994. Um, this secondly, is... <laughs> secondly, I am, I am laughing with you, Joshua. Yeah. This is, yeah. I, like, I get it. It's so fucked. It's, it's so, so fucked. It's so fucking weird too. And like, and the, it, what's so weird about it is the sort of weird, like, like um, Hallmark Christian nicety that like the Christian adoptive community tries to wrap around it. And it's like, y'all are actually just buying people. You're just too scared to say it. Um, it's just, like, I'm sorry. Oh my God. Like, don't get, ga- you don't get to gaslight me and tell me that's not the case. That's like, that's literally, it's on the same par. It's on the same level as like, when people donate plasma, it's like, okay, this isn't donating, but separate issue. Bullet point number two, um, I was always told that I should be grateful because I was, I remember growing up hearing about how my my parents both worked two jobs and essentially two, because see, I was, I was a closed adoption. Um, mm-hmm. I have an adopted sister, um, which is like, an, she was adopted through an open procedure, an open adoption procedure, which was a little more, I don't know if it's necessarily as expensive uh, in terms of, you know, court proceedings and the like, but with a closed adoption, such as mine, um, I was reminded, uh, fairly often about how, uh, my, my, my dad had to like 
pull like 11 hour shifts, like working as a bread delivery driver from like three in the morning to like nine at night, like just crazy hours. That's, that's definitely more than like a 11 hour shift. I'm just realizing, <laughs> but like, just like, you know, crazy, like this sort of like ridiculous amount of work that he had to put in just essentially to afford me. So I was, I was reminded of this um, by not just my parents, but I was also reminded of it by like, you know, uh, be people at church, like, oh, you must be grateful, you know? And it's just like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't, like, I was adopted from birth. It was like, a, it's like such a weird thing to say to somebody, you know, let alone someone who's been adopted from birth, um, which they all knew, which is even, you know, weirder when you say it out loud. Would you like to know why I asked the question? Absolutely. Because while I wasn't adopted, we were sent off to certain families and homes because our house burned down and when we went to those families and homes like i literally had to eat separate food from the family that i lived with i was expected to work off my labor for the cost of me being there i was expected to be grateful for being repetitively essayed as a child by multiple ones of their children and the parents also physically abused me in this place and when i went to leave there and go back to um, my mother the widow house um, this woman had the audacity to look at me and say Oh, but Mary, I don't understand why you're so ready to leave. We were so good to you. <laughs> Thank you, ma'am. May I have another? <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, so Thank I kind of well. thought about that in the context of what you were saying. Mm. And I was like, I wonder if you ever felt like you were expected to be grateful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, oh, and they told you to your face the audacity yeah. of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's 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 so weird, you know. Uh, it, it's just kind of like this: you're you're made to feel guilty for your for just existing. Just existing is enough of a of a of, you know enough of a problem for them. Um, and I'm sorry, I'm reading the comment uh, in our oh. Yeah, and um, says, we have brethren in our town where I come from. Yeah. They adopted two black girls, and people literally stared at them in the store. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. She goes on to further say, that's some <laughs> Oliver Twist nonsense. You got yeah. that right. Oh, my God. We're fucking ridiculous. It, it, it's exhausting. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, your, your, your mere existence is a problem. And, um, and then you're told kind of furthermore about, like, how, oh, yeah, we did all this for you. Um, you know, and it's, I remember thinking to myself, like, I, you know, when my parents would tell me this, I remember thinking, I never fucking asked you to do shit. I was like, I was an, an infant. And before that, when you guys were filling out the paperwork, I wasn't even, I mean, the, you know, I wasn't even necessarily like conscious, you know, let alone, I guess, whatever you want to define as a person or not, you know, like uh, I was just in utero. <laughs> I had no, I had no bearing on this, but you know, got to remember, these are, I mean, I, I was raised by immigrant parents. They're, they're a whole other brand of emotionally stunted, um, you know, but, uh, you know, it, it's, they, they, I mean, just to, to their credit, I would say they, you know, they tried their best to at least create within the maelstrom of the brethren, they did try to create a semi-stable home, but, 
you know, I'm I'm still in fucking therapy. <laughs> I mean, hi. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the club. <laughs> right. I've lost track of like how many. Yeah. It, you lost funny, track. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, no, sorry. I was saying I've, I've lost track of like uh, the sort of videos that I've like on TikTok of like they're like, uh, hey, hey, anyone else with like parents remember this? And it's like some kid crying over their math homework, and the parents in the background like screaming at them like, if Jimmy has two apples, listen, I'm not playing. You know, I'll give you something to cry about like that shit. Um, I lost track of how many videos I've seen like that, and it's like, wow, we all kind of had similar emotionally abusive parents who just didn't know their shit at all um well and yeah i I mean like here here's here's the thing is like i truly believe that i have to believe that people do better when they know better like like maya angelo said right but in the same token like i i mean the amount of trauma that i've heard it expressed by adoptees sometimes really just crushes me i think that people need to know better to do better in Mm. how they treat adoptees and i think specifically when you're mentioning your experience you're 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 like speaking truth to power but you're also speaking about what you experience and specifically identifying like the conservative christian adoptee did i hear that right oh yeah Um, experience and how that can negatively affect children when they're being reminded of what a burden they are because oh my god yeah that's that's kind of what i'm hearing from you is that you felt like a burden now you're still in therapy you've been out for several years you're still like in therapy and and i'm just saying you're in good company man like we Mm -hmm. we we um some of us need therapy for the things we experienced in our childhood. And that's a fact. Oh yeah. Uh, it's just one of those things where sometimes therapy can help us make sense of the world around us, make sense of the things that we experience, And to also understand that we specifically, like when we were children, we didn't deserve that. You didn't deserve that. No, none of us deserve that. Absolutely. Yeah. So like, Anyways, so yeah. go go ahead. Well, that what, everything that you were saying actually reminded me of something that my therapist, um, she she says this a lot, um, is you know what she'll ask me, you know, what did you need to hear? Um, and um, yeah, it's you know different parts of us during different you know there's different parts of us that exist at different stages of our lives. You know, um, Mm -hmm. I think to some degree that my younger, like, you know, elementary school aged self needed to hear like, hey, you know, that's not how you treat a kid. And, you know, like, and, you know, that's, (laughs) this is not, this is not a safe place. These aren't safe people. And, you know, it's okay to feel scared, you know, from that, you know, let, and then, uh, you know, to some other degree, um, uh, you know, like I, 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 I'm still kind of trying to formulate what my adolescent self needs to hear because, you know, there's, there's so many different parts of you that feel so many different ways. Uh, your, you know, your child, your inner child feels really just absolutely crushed. You know, your inner adolescent is just like, is raging, you know, against everything. 
you know, um, and, and then there's like your adult self, um, you know, who's trying to kind of make sense of everything. Um, yeah. So then how do you deal with that when you're, um, a child? How do you, I'm sorry, what? when you're a child and you're experiencing all of that, like, how do you deal with that? Do you, do you want to talk about how that sometimes comes out? Sure. Um, do you mean like when I was a kid? Like, yeah. Okay. Um, oh man. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I was, it didn't take much to get me to cry when I was a kid um, or to run away. Um, those are, those are my two big things. Cause I was, I was fast. You know, I'm still pretty fast. I'm a pretty good runner. Um, but that, those were definitely, um, that I remember being, you know, uh, well, I shouldn't say that, but the third option, the third option was dissociating. I learned how to do that when I was around seven, I want to say, um, that one was kind of more of like a, just pure survival, um, tactic. Uh, and I remember, yeah, I, I remember that that could, that came up, you know, not just at home, but also came up at camp. Um, uh, yeah, there was, yeah. Well, the thing, the thing is, is that often, um, children respond to trauma very primally, like not even mm -hmm. just primarily, like we just respond to trauma and that's yeah. how we, how we respond to trauma. We all find different ways of like, of like coping with the trauma that we're experiencing. And then like, furthermore, like sometimes inside of these circles, what can happen is when we employ those coping strategies, even though they're not necessarily like they're things that kept us alive. Yeah. You know, disassociation. That's, I, I can definitely like, I, I, I know what that is very intimately. Yeah. Um, just running running and hiding that's like your mm. flight response to trauma oh, yeah. and then like you know sometimes you freeze and you just say like you're just right there sometimes you run into this like you feel so ashamed and then you have to um appropriately profusely over apologize basically for your existence it can feel like just because you're in an unsafe situation so you know it's unfair it's not right and and we got to do better so anyways, so you're talking about disassociation at seven. Yep. You learned that. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I think we kind of were going to talk about the persecution complex and how that, like, can we, can mm -hmm. we kind of switch gears mm -hmm. a little bit? Well, it actually, into... mm -hmm. but it, yeah. Oh no, we totally can because uh, it, it's exactly, it kind of leads right into that. Um, so it wasn't the first time. Well, uh, actually, no, I think that actually really was the first time that I like, hardcore dissociated um so this is at bible camp it was my first year um oh my so yeah oh yeah they pulled out all the stops so god damn it um <laughs> what um what it's just it's just a lot so hang on i'm pouring the tea right now both literally and metaphysically or metaphorically um oh my i need a lot for this so so camp is in this valley uh, the valley is about a mile long. At the end of it, there's this red barn. And there was, I remember it was, uh, there was about 
maybe 10 of us, seven to nine, 10 year olds in, in this group. And uh, it was part of like one of the activities because like you're at camp for a week. And you know, for those of you who aren't familiar with Bible camp for with living waters, uh, they basically rotate activities throughout the day. There's a theme for the camp. I think the theme that week was like mighty workers or some shit like that. Um, the theme ties to a Bible verse, yada, yada. And so anyway, we're in the red barn and um, there's this little old lady inside kind of dressed like a little old, like more old fashioned, not like, you know, like a super long time ago, but more like from like the 1930s. Um, and she's talking to us about, um, I, I don't know if YouTube does YouTube limit certain words on here. Kind of. Yeah. Okay. Oh, but I mean, okay. it's. Okay. All right. Well, uh, she was talking to us about the Third Reich and about um, Mr. Mustache Mustache Man's Germany and about how the Jews were persecuted and uh, the Christians were persecuted and um, you know like what what methods people would use to help people hide and escape. So she, you know, was telling us the story of Corey Ten Boom and uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, which are historical figures which did exist, who did help Jews escape uh, the the Schmatzi reign. And yeah. she 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 takes us over, you know. But but the thing is, is there was a lot of like it. it the thing is about this, God damn it, is the way that this story is presented is really bizarre in so much that it's a lesson in yeah you know the schmazis did this they did this to the jews um someday this could happen to christians we don't know when but it could happen and this is how she prefaced this and we're all just seven to ten year olds kind of like okay this is terrifying some of us i had i had a you know i already learned about a little bit i was always a history nut so i kind of knew a little bit about the 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 schmazis and world war ii so she takes us over i'm sorry you look like you have a question i mean like this is not does not sound traumatizing at all <laughs> sorry yeah no it's fucked um, we're, i we're mean just, just i mean joshua <laughs> like i would i would never have sat there and like told my seven-year-old child yeah like i just yeah. i'm i'm just like wait what yeah, shoot like happen. somebody somebody the bad told liberals me. are gonna knock down your door somebody told my child about hell and i'm gonna tell you what my child came home and said mom what is hell i said there are some people who yeah. believe this oh that's gotta be a rough talk I would just say it, but like, I, I just like, who tells their children these kinds of stories and then implies that, and not even just implies, but tells them to prepare for this in the yeah. world, because this is what the worldly people are going to do, which further separates y'all from the world and, and creates a situation where, you know, when you go outside of the group, this is like an us versus them mentality. Did you also have a special yes. word for the worldly people? Like where we, we, we use English. Right. Uh, you know, I'm not so sure that we did. I think we really just called them worldly people or unbelievers. Oh. I think we were a bit more just like bald faced about it, but um, oh. yeah, but, but, but the thing is, is so 
This is a separatist so, mindset. Yeah, yeah. So with a persecution mm -hmm. complex. Oh yeah, but but the thing is, what's really scary, what what really what terrified me is this little lady. You know, takes us all over to the side of the barn. This is like we're on the inside of the barn now. It's this really big thing, and uh, she takes us over to the side. And there's this little like panel that she basically pushes in and to the side, and it's a crawl space. And she goes, yeah, people like Corey Ten Boom and. You know, uh, Dietrich Bonn, like, this is, you know, where people would have to hide other people from the schmatzies, you know. Uh, and as kids were like, okay, this is weird. Um, and, you know, we go back, you know, to the, uh, to the you know, center of the, the barn. And all of a sudden, the, uh, so like they closed the door behind us. You know, we were just kind of whatever. And then all of a sudden, we just hear this like violent bang, just this bang, bang, bang. You know, and we hear people on the other side saying, open up. We're looking for, you know, what a member of the Third Reich would say who they're looking for. Um, literally like Schindler's List level shit. And uh, this little old lady, she's just like, oh, my God. And she just runs over to this thing and she opens up the crawl space and she goes, all right, children, get inside, get inside. And we're all there's 10 of us. We're all crawl, curled, you know, not curled. We're all stuffed into this little hallway, essentially. Uh, in terms of like how wide it was, it was pretty narrow. It's about, I'm sitting, I mean, uh, it's like, it was about, in terms of width, it was like two, two or three of me's across. So it's, it's not very, probably two and a half me's wide. And it was about maybe 12 feet long. So it's just this very narrow hallway hidden in this barn. And so we all pile in there. She shuts the door. It's pitch black. And the door just we we hear it kind of just like break open and um kind of just hear a bunch of 18 19 year old boys basically role playing um gestapo agents and screaming like where are you know where are yeah um i remember hearing them break shit um it, it, there was so much noise um, and I, I remember hearing all of the kids around me, like, I mean, most of them were crying. Uh, and I remember for, for me, I remember thinking to myself, like, okay, if I cry, that's going to make noise and that they might hear me. So I need to be quiet. And so I just, I shut down. I just, I went somewhere else. I've always been, I remember as a kid, always being scared of the dark. I, I didn't give a shit that it was pitch black. It, it was just, you know, just be quiet so they don't find you. Um, and uh, yeah, when it was all over, um, when, 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 the, when they left, I remember it was quiet, but the only thing that you could hear were just kids trying to cry quietly, which uh, it was just so fucked. Um, they called it... The activity was called Bible smugglers. Um, and uh, yeah, the whole premise was that, yeah, someday we're going to, we're going to have to prepare for, for that reality someday. Um, so they were preparing y'all to be Bible smugglers in the event of, um, of mass persecution of Christians. Yeah. Uh, you know, specifically using the persecution of, of the Jews in the Third Reich in Third Reich Germany, as an example. 
because of mustache man because that's that's what's gonna happen here Mm. yeah do you think any of that was founded in the actual like anything of substance like where did this come from i think there has always been um within fundamentalist christianity i think there's always been a irrational um fear that stipulates to its adherents that granting any outgroup equal rights representation or footing with them is persecution. I don't know where this came from, from what I've seen though, just like on social media lately and just kind of, you know, through just the invention of the internet, it seems that this is pretty widespread throughout not just fundamentals Christianity, but like in non-denominational Christianity as a whole, that there's this sort of, you know, oh, there's the war on Christmas, you know, um, as an example, uh, or um, giving, gay people, the right to marry was somehow seen as an attack on Christianity. Um, Anything enshrined into law um, that is not a part of Christian doctrine is looked upon as persecution, is looked upon as a, as a, uh, as one more step that the state is taking to, um, Uh, to, to, to persecute Christians. Um, I remember actually, um, if you fast, fast, fast forward to 2015, my last year, uh, at camp, I was actually in a two week in Bible intensive called foundation camp, which is its own weird, bizarre thing. Um, and I remember, uh, during that week, you know, we didn't have any cell phones. They were taken, you know, we, essentially where it was basically like a two week, like you are not allowed to interact with the outside world period. It's just, you wake up at six, you, you do uh, exercise for like an hour, you have a two hour Bible study and, uh, and then you like have breakfast and like, then you, you work essentially all day. Um, I remember one of those days we had a, a sort of lecture that was a followed up by like a movie or something. And, uh, we, had, we were having a post the discussion about it. And the director of the camp, uh, came downstairs, uh, and he, he looked and sounded like he just saw, he, he looked like he had seen like the nine 11 footage all over again. Like he, he looked and sounded like he had witnessed a national tragedy. I, I'm not even kidding. And he just said, the, uh, white house was, lit up today in the gay pride colors. It's a very dark world that you're all entering into. You are all lights of Christ, but it is a very dark world. What if the light of Christ is a rainbow light? Yeah, and I'm just, and I remember thinking, I mean, I was 21 at that point, so I'm thinking like the gay pride colors, like, are you telling me that like we get the visible light spectrum, but they get their own separate like, spectrum of light that's pretty fucking cool like i don't know just (laughs) like is it like is it like a like a uv type thing is it like x-ray is it like gamma radiation because like fuck that'd be cool like also i I haven't gotten my proper lights yet i'm i'm right no you you don't get them retinas replaced with like the x-ray no i don't have that yet like what happened here you gotta go to the gay dmv man 
don't they have that? Don't you get oh like you get you get that with your gay license too, right? Oh, we have gay license too now. Okay, know. okay. That's what I was told. <laughs> I'm just I'm just a confused, sad, heteronormative man. That's all I am. I just need guidance. Uh, but uh, I I just feel like that just went a little bit far. Um, did did you get your straight license? Did you did you get your cis hat license? Because I know, just feel like you know. Um. Shit. Uh. I mean, uh, I, I, I did get I my driver's have. license. You got I, did get my, okay. I got I did get my driver's license in Wisconsin. So you can blame your Wisconsin DMV. Um, I was going to say, I, yeah, that's that's where it all went wrong. Yeah. Y'all. Well, right. They and do have and a, specifically, yeah. it was right. the one in that county that the camp is in, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yep. 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 OK. Of course. OK. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, the the state senate for Wisconsin is Republican controlled, Republican controlled, so they probably wanted to vest as much money away from government spending. And I don't know. Anyway, I don't uh, know. Well, but regardless, I got my yeah. license, and and you're working you on yours, right? Yeah. You're right. You're I am. I'm in the process. Uh, yeah. I, I'm in. I'm in the subreddits, getting some, you know, getting you know, some, learning the paperwork finesse. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, uh, anyways. Anyway, yeah, I'm sorry. It was it was just the weirdest. I like, you know, this. It, it, <laughs> the, like, you know, and that's like not even that. You know, the worst part is that that's not even the worst thing. After this intensive was over, I remember um, going back to back to my regular camp duties, which was just I was a maintenance person, so it was just cleaning up camp, essentially making making sure the floors are mopped you know, cleaning toilets, taking the trash out, you know, trimming the hedges and all that crap, cleaning out gutters, you name it. I remember um, it was during family camp. I had just gotten some ice cream from the camp store and I was just, you know, lounging around in like the sort of, we, there's this main building called the lodge, which is where meals are served. There's a little camp store that sells like, you know, snacks and like books and all sorts of shit. And, um, I guess all of the parents had put their kids to bed and they were all just kind of hanging out in this lounge area. And I just sat down at a table off to the side. And this was after the decision. I think the Dob, I think it's the Dobbs decision or Ogden decision, whichever one was the one that um, uh, granted uh, essentially where the Supreme court granted gays. The right to Thank you. Um, yeah. And you know, I remember like the, first off, what scared what scared me was how angry they all were. They were like genuinely angry. They were just like, I can't believe this would happen. I can't believe that we're giving we're giving them this right, you know, to 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 marry. And like one of them even said, I don't know if you understand why they're only like three percent of the population. And it, it just like hearing that, I was like, wow, that's such a creepy thing to say. Like it starts like that, you know. It doesn't take long from they're only this much of the population ergo they don't deserve rights it from there to what you get from germany in the 40s that's not far away you know uh -huh. like that literally is a gateway that literally is a gateway drug to authoritarianism fascism you name it all i can think of is a song by baby rex um and not baby rex Tuv Tuvlow, I think her name is. She sings this song that you're my gateway drug. And I'm like, this is your church right now with the persecution complex and the othering and all of that. Like yeah. that's like 
Yeah. But we do have a comment. Um, we have several comments that I would like to address. Um, one, I'm going to read them to you okay. because we do also release audio only recordings of this live stream. So okay. I follow a lot of adoptees on social media. They have taught me a lot about trauma and gaslighting. It seems that the culty religious experience adds an extra layer to that trauma. Would you agree with that or disagree? Oh, I would agree 100%. Therapy. And then so, therapy helps me deal with the nonsense of the world. I mean, like, but have you seen the world we live in? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you gotta. Yeah, you gotta have something yeah, to gotta. help you figure it out when mm -hmm. we weren't given the tools and we weren't taught the tools and we weren't like we have to go as adults and acquire skills that we were never taught as children. That's part of what makes it so difficult. Anyways, oh my for my grandma, my plain grandmother's church, we we modern ones were known as too worldly. Oh my. Mm -hmm. If church had uh -oh. a drum set, if a church had a drum set, I will say that church was, I just, like, was too worldly a little bit. Yeah. I just, I just need like, Oh my God, mm -hmm. too worldly, just a smidge too far. Mm -hmm. And then yep. we got Jay saying late to the party here. I was adopted into a Mennonite family and things began going downhill according to them. When I began looking into my bio family. Yeah. Yeah. Is, you <sighs> Yeah, that Jay, one. you you didn't deserve that. Just like Joshua didn't deserve that. Like my heart goes out to all of the adoptees. I can't ever make it right, but I can hold space for all of you. And if you ever want to come on here and just have a coffee and talk about your experiences, even if you don't want to get into the nitty gritty or the dark details, you don't have to. You're always welcome to come have coffee, have the conversations, talk about what you can. And maybe, just maybe, that can help change the world just a little bit. I think it absolutely can. I mean, quite frankly, um, the person that I was talking to yesterday um, sent me this post. Um, I'm going to pull it up here, but I really want to do address what what Jay said. Um, and Jay, I'm, I'm I'm really sorry. I I can tell you that I I I have an idea of what that's like. I was um, I remember when I tried to kind of look into my own biological family, like on my own as a kid. Um, my parents wouldn't have it. Um, they pretty much reacted as though I had brought home a box of plutonium. Um, it's, it's really harmful and it hurts because you have a natural desire, I think, to, um, you know, to, to find out where you come from because you're a fucking person. <laughs> and, um, and for whatever you're reason, a human, you're yeah. A hu you're a human being. And to be human is to desire connection. You desire mm -hmm. meaningful connection. And there is this genetic component of like all of us that is comprised of all of the things and how, where we come from and mm -hmm. how can you embrace that? You don't even, uh, if you have a closed adoption, you oftentimes, I, I hear people talking about, they don't even have medical records. They don't even know oh, their yeah. medical history. Mm -hmm. They don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you I'm, deserve human rights and human yeah. rights includes feeling connected and knowing where you came from. Yeah. You deserve yeah. knowing. Absolutely. Um, take up that space and be loud about it. Um, it I, I think for my, for, with my case, it was the fact that I have parents who just are e extremely emotionally short-sighted and 
um, didn't know how else to react other than out of fear. Uh, is that an excuse? No, but it's a reason. Um, and uh, at the very, I can at least now when I look back, I take more comfort in so much that there's at least a logical explanation to why my parents acted out the way they did. It wasn't out of personal malice. It was just because they, they were just fucking scared and they just didn't know. They also didn't believe in therapy, which is another, another can of worms, but they just didn't have the emotional tools to navigate this. Um, I tried looking for the post. I can't find it, but um, one of the, like one of the things is that um, this, this person that I was talking with, um, talked about how like, you know, adoption is this, is this thing that yes, it shouldn't be sugar. It shouldn't be sugar coated, but like at the same time, Jesus is at the center of every adoption story. You know, yes, there's bad things that happen and yes, it's painful. And we need to, we need to, we need to hashtag learn more and be better. Like your, your typical, like LA I'm listening and I'm learning bullshit. Um, and um, I just kind of clapped back at this person and I said, you know, it, I don't think y'all really give a shit about us because we're just bodies for you um, to confirm your own biases and your beliefs. I, I, um, I'll, I'll just read what I, what I texted. Um, uh, let me find it quick. I just said, you know, we're just bodies for your beliefs and nothing more. We're walking vessels that serve as little more than confirmation for your denominational convictions. If we dare challenge the mold people like you place us in, we are discarded and forgotten. I wish you would all at least have the courage to face that naked truth. Um, and I haven't really gotten any response from them yet. At least no, that's meaningful, but, um, you know, take up that space. You're a person. Um, don't let people gaslight you out of your human fucking rights, especially not, these people at all you know i mean you deserve space i'm right you, you all deserve space yeah. and also like joshua you read what you wrote and it's like um that that is powerful in and of itself because it's something that speaks to me in ways like yeah it says like how you felt mm -hmm. about being adopted and all of that. And then there's this whole, like, your the expectation to be grateful, the expectation to be like this, comply with the societal norms of the group, that the in-group, right? Because you were the separatist group. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And then being trained to prepare for persecution at all costs. Mm -hmm. I do have one more thing that I think we talked about, and I would like to ask you about that. Sure. If you don't feel com comfortable talking about it, you don't have to, but you were telling me something about like, there was also a like two week course to become a counselor. Yep. That was the foundation camp intensive. What about it? <laughs> <clears throat> well, you got. I have questions. Okay, so what qualified these people to teach a counseling course? <laughs> not a damn fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, fucking what qualified? A, like you know, like I, I literally want to know, like what on um, what um, by what authority were they appointed by God? Like what was the authority? Yeah. Here? Like like okay, um, I think so. Like there was one guy who was the primary uh, lecture person. 
Um, in terms of qualifications, um, and I'm a bit rusty because I haven't spoken or interacted with this 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 individual for uh, nearly a decade. Um, I, I believe at one point, um, outside of faith operations, I'm pretty sure at one point he was like a biology teacher at a at a public school, um, and that's it. Uh, I don't think he. This individual does not have any qualifications around trauma informed care. Has no no qualifications around like social work or psychology, anything really. Um, it was. Okay. It was. I mean, this this this. You need to understand. Nothing that they did was designed to care for mm -hmm. children that come from like different uh, income levels or different racial or cultural backgrounds. None of that had was was a part of this at all. I think like at most some like there was a little talk about how like uh, the uh, there was another person that came in and talked about how like, oh, yeah, children will sometimes kind of like engage in like a survival technique or something. But like it was just like off to the side and it was like, a, OK, but back to like how to make sure that we're preaching the Bible clearly. You know, it was all Bible. It was all focusing on Bible and not nothing with how to deal with like, um, you know, children from different backgrounds. There was um, to their credit, um, but it's like whatever to and I, I use credit very loosely um, because I think it was really just a way for them to avoid lawsuits. Um, there was basically, uh, they spent about, I want to say three hours on a course about how to, um, prevent like grooming children and like how to recognize grooming tactics. Um, and like how to like, who to address if we see that from people in, pos in, in positions of power over children. Okay. But that was, but that was it. And okay. like, I mean, I mean, look, like, and here's the thing. And like, I got, I got essayed, you know, in my fucking church parking lot and I didn't know who the fuck to go to. Um, okay. Okay. You know. I'll, 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 I'll give them that. I'll give them credit for teaching you that. So whom did they tell you to report to if like you suspected grooming or essay? If we suspected it, then we would have to go to the like director of the whole camp. So like one of the, one of the main directors who, who, of course, these are all men, um, none of whom have any, any. Joshua. Yeah. So it's like are... not, it's, it's not really credit. Because <laughs> like we all know. Hold, 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 hold up. All right. What we got? What are Wisconsin laws on mandated reporting? <sighs> Damn, it's been a while. Um, I don't, I don't know. I think it's like you have to, if a, if an allegation is made, and you are a mandated reporter, I think you have 24 hours to contact like DHS or law enforcement or like CPS. You have 24 well, hours. And if that time expires, then you are held criminally liable. Um, I am leaving a comment with a link to mandated reporting, how to yeah. report. Okay. Yeah. Reports of suspect, suspected child abuse and neglect can be, be made to the county where the child resides or to the law enforcement or where the possible abuse or, and or neglect occurred. Reports of suspected school violence must be made to law enforcement. 
That does not mean going to your church leadership or your camp leadership and reporting it, does it now? No, but it I'm not an attorney. I don't know. I'm just, that's my my personal perspective yeah. after reading that. No, that's, uh, I think that's a fair interpretation. Um, it doesn't say shit about a camp counselor or director, but they told us that those are the people to go to um, and that they would take things from there. Um, if there have uh -huh. been, so I, you know, I was with my own experience in, in that, um, that did not happen to me at camp that happened to me in the, uh, church parking lot, um, uh -huh. at the church I grew up at, which was awful. Um, however, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if there were stories of SA at camp that just got swept under the rug because leadership, um, I mean, you know how it is. They try and save face. They deal with their problems in house, Uh huh. you know, but I don't, I don't have any, I haven't heard any, any stories of people from at least not yet. I hope that that didn't happen to anybody. Um, you know, uh, yeah, this is awful. Um, that is pretty awful. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I do know that, like, in terms of, like, saving face, I know from, like, other experiences that I've had, um, like, I had a, I had a um, family member who has a parent who was, like, on the board of directors for camp, and I remember seeing them essentially get, like, I don't want to say like beaten by their by their parent, but like for lack of a better term, I remember seeing them getting beaten by their parent because they weren't memorizing enough Bible verses. And, you know, I am not the descendant of a, a person who's a director of camp. I am not brethren royalty, as the term has been popularized. Um, and I was really good at memorizing Bible verses, but this kid wasn't, um, you know, and that makes the, you know, person who's on the board of directors for camp look bad um oh yeah so so if so like I, I mean if something like that happened at camp i it's kind of a perfect storm where like i don't i don't think that they would necessarily call the authorities for that um especially if it was someone in a position of power um they would more than likely try to keep that in-house you know yeah. The same as the same as like any other toxic religious community. They all operate the same. They just have different names. And they have different some of them have like different um I want to say different covers that they put on like they or they use they use the same tools but in different ways. Oh yeah. Big time. Like that's um that's pretty much it. I did also link some stuff from Rain and the docs from wisconsin.gov statutes just so like people can go read it if they want to. But I think it's important that we understand how like mandated reporting works. Um, yeah. And, and I think it's also important that people do what, th what they know is right uh, for the children involved in, uh, you know, who are experiencing abuse. Like here's mm -hmm. the thing when people sit there and they just look the other way and they do nothing, even when they suspect there's abuse that has transpired, like at the end of the day, what does that say about you? Because that child yeah. didn't ask for that. That child didn't deserve that. I don't care if that child walked around naked. I don't care. That child mm -hmm. was not asking to be essayed. You didn't deserve that. We didn't deserve that. 
go ahead, yeah. Josh. But furthermore, I, I just remembered um, when it comes to mandated re reporting, in this intensive, there was nothing. There was no coursework because I've I am a mandated reporter. I have worked every single job that I have had in my professional life. I have been a mandated reporter. If I suspect abuse, I am. I have to operate in due diligence because I've I've worked in mental health primarily. Um, I have to make a report, you know, that basically is just like, hey, I saw this, you know, and then I let whatever entity I reported to take it from there. Um, to become a mandated reporter, you have to take like a, like a number of courses and usually your employer will provide those for you at no cost because that's usually like from the county. Um, and I've done this in Wisconsin and in Minnesota. Um, and camp did not, camp never issued any type of mandated reporting course. Okay. No one, no one, no counselor. I don't know of any staff members. Okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, I was, a, uh, uh, I mean, I was a maintenance staff, but when you've got, when you're training a bunch of like 17 to 20 year olds, you know, how to be counselors, um, and you're talking about this, they, they didn't have any sort of course or anything that certified us as mandated reporters. Okay. I, I just want to point out that the Wisconsin legislature actually says persons required to report, and it has a list of people, a school teacher, a school administrator, a school counselor, a school employee, not otherwise specified in this paragraph, a child care worker in a child care center, group home or residential care center for children and youth, a child care provider. So whether or not they provided the training or not, everybody who worked at that camp was a mandated reporter. Yep. Like, but they didn't provide the training. And that's no. an important distinction because no, no, they never did. Why? Who fucking knows? Who, Why? I mean, on, I mean, you're asking the wrong person. I would ask. I mean, there's people who, who, who you can ask and they work in the upper echelons of camp. But reasoning why? I mean, I hope it's not necessarily confirmation of um, any abuse happening. But uh, I, I mean, either either to save money for whatever reason or I could see some sort of disgusting, greasy legal defense as well. We didn't know because we don't, uh, you know, we don't train our staff to be mandated reporters, you know, uh -huh. which naturally begs the question, okay, then why are you, why are you running operating a, this? Why are you doing this? Why are why you are, running a camp? What are you doing here? <laughs> why are you running a yeah. camp? I want to know yeah. why you're running a camp. If like mm -hmm. you can't, if you can, if you yeah. can do these courses and spend two weeks to train mm -hmm. what 18, 19 year olds to be counselors, but you can't, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Come again. Yeah. Cause yeah. all I'm like, what is happening here? And what are, what, what is the purpose of this? The purpose, yeah. And I mean, they'll say, they'll tell you that the purpose is to lead souls to Christ. I think the purpose really is just, uh, it, sure, okay, we can call it that. But it's also free labor. Um, you know, I remember helping out as a camper with several camp projects, um, doing just manual labor, you know, uh, digging trenches or clearing rocks and just, you know, hauling buckets of rocks from one lake bed to somewhere else for whatever stupid ass reason. 
Um, oh my. Yeah, just a bunch of, I mean, oh yeah, you know, if you can, it, it's just, we're just, we are a free pool of labor. Um, that That's one reason. Uh, I think the other reason is, uh, you know, not just for labor, but also to make money. This is a nonprofit. Um, and with the types of connections that people make, when people are ingratiated into this community, this is another story, I guess, that you know, I can bring up. Uh, uh, at one point, there was a competition between camp and a uh, St. Jude's Cancer Research Hospital. And the goal was like, you know, if you get, if, if this Facebook post gets as this many likes, you know, the winner essentially gets like a thousand dollars or something like that. And of course, camp won. Camp immediately just was like on their page on Facebook was like, send this to all your friends and family. And it went, you know, it outpaced St. Jude's cancer research by, you know, by a mile. Um, so money is also an important factor here. Um, yeah. Somehow it just always seems to come mm. down to the bottom line. And you want to yep. know what the bottom line is? Money. It's always, always money. about money. It doesn't always matter if it's yeah. a nonprofit. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter if it's a ministry. It doesn't matter if it doesn't matter. It's always somehow about the money. Yeah. But and, and, yeah. And I mean, like we were, in, I mean, I, I spent a whole summer there. I wasn't paid per hour. I was working all day and uh, essentially to pay us, we just received donations from a few churches. And it was like, I think I made over the course of three months, I think I made maybe like 400 bucks. That's it for three months of Sunday to Saturday, nonstop working. I mean, if, and again, oh, sorry, I shouldn't say nonstop because if I stopped, I had to re specifically request um, permission and I had to like leave and, you know, make sure I was back on time or else I could followed. But um, yeah, you're not, so, <laughs> you're not compensated for your labor. So not only not compensating you for your labor, but mm -hmm. stalking you yeah. to ensure that mm -hmm. you're complying with the expectations. Yeah. Oh yeah. my. You don't, yeah. You don't, you don't, I mean, I did, I was able to get away with it one time, which was fun as hell. Um, but uh, I, but some things I think are, are best cut private. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, like you just, you're not allowed to have a life outside of camp and yeah. Uh, you're expected to work long hours in the heat uh, and you just, you, you just don't matter, you know? Um, yeah. And I, I think what's really sad is kind of coming back to like the adoption bit. Um, I remember you grow up, you know, it's, it's, it's weird. You know, as I, I said earlier, your, your life kind of gets reduced down to like a sermon talking point, you know, okay. and that's really all that, you know, when people see you, that's really like, it's like all they see. Uh -huh. um, and I think the really insidious, um, the real insidious part of that is it tricks you. Um, it fools you into believing that, oh yeah, no, these people really care about me. You know, um, for me, I like to, I, I used to sing, I used to sing opera. So I would sing at Christmas services or the New Year's Eve service or Easter services. Um, and, you know, outside of a, a sermon talking point about adoption or substitution, that's usually when people would, you know, compliment me on my voice. 
you know, the usual talking points. You have such a wonderful voice for God, yada, yada. Um, so over time, you naturally are, are fooled into believing that these people care about you. Um, and then in the uh, spring of 2016, uh, one of my best friends from high school uh, self-unalived himself, or sorry, he unalived himself. Um, and, uh, I saw, I didn't see his body. Um, I'm glad that I didn't, but I saw where his body was after he did it. Um, and it was, he used a, uh, he used a shotgun. So as you can imagine, it was quite messy. Um, that's the sort of thing that stays with you. Um, I, I remember, I remember after that, I started to measure time differently and I remember becoming, I mean, my, my friends who weren't Christian were saying, Hey, you need to get some help because I, at this, at that point I was, I was essentially an alcoholic, um, mm -hmm. and sort of just descending into depression myself. I, it was visible. Mm -hmm. Um, my mom told a few people, you know, she asked me if it was okay if she told people at church what I was going through. And I, I just said, fine, go ahead. I don't, I, I don't care. Um, and I remember going to church with my parents, uh, you know, after this happened, once the, once the school semester, you know, ended, because I was in college. Um, and I remember attending a few uh, services with them. Um, I don't, I don't think one person came up to me and asked me how I was doing. Um, I, I saw what happens when someone uh, does that to themselves. Um, when I, someone, I, 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 hmm? can, so when someone dies by suicide, you saw what happened when someone died. Oh, by sorry, suicide. sorry. I, I saw, sorry, not saw what happened. Um, I'm sorry, I misspoke. I saw the aftermath of um, of that. Um, yeah. I, I still, you know you just, you just don't, you don't forget that. Um, I was very visibly shaken, um, and withdrawn and I may as well have just been invisible to these people who there, who, who throughout my whole life had claimed that they cared about me. Um, you know, who, you know, uh, we're, we're so amazed, um, that God brought me into this world and that God chose me for my parents. But when I came face to face with a, with a loss that, um, it'll be eight years this coming May, um, that I still, uh, you know, struggle with. Um, it, it was, it was really, it was the same, you know, nothing changed for them. Um, you know, and I think, I think that was the deepest, that was the deepest sense of hurt really, um, was that I could sustain such a heavy loss and no one really gave a shit. So, um, would you say you felt, a, you felt betrayed by the by the people who profess to care about you at that point. 100%. Okay. 
I never saw any of them at the funeral. I never got a call. I never got a text. No one came to my door. Um, uh, the most, the most that anyone did was ask my mom how I was doing. And because my mom, you need to remember, I come from a, I'm a I was adopted into a very German household. Um, so of course my mom, not knowing any better, I don't fault her for this in the slightest because I, but she, she would say, oh, you know, he's, he's struggling, but he's doing okay. I was, I was trying to, I was trying to unalive myself just with liquor, you know? Um, I mean, at one point I, I attempted myself. Um, I just got blackout drunk and got behind the wheel of my car. And I kind of said to myself, you know what, if I don't make it, I don't care. And I somehow woke up in my, uh, you know, my parents' house and I was just like, wow, okay, that's annoying. You know? Um, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and not a, not, not a single, not a word from anyone from that, from that community, from my church or from camp. Um, that just, yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine how betrayed, betrayed you felt about that and yeah. how much that that's struggle. Would you like to have a moment of silence for your friend? Sure. I think sometimes we experience things and some of those things are so unbearable that we just don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. Some of us yeah. die by suicide and the stigma around suicide is so great. And the stigma around attempting to unalive ourselves or suicide attempts or attempting to die by suicide is so great. And we really need to have more open conversations about that. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you're still with us. I'm sorry you lost your friend. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, but I would say like, I'm, I'm, we're, we're about to like end this, this recording. And if you would like to have, like, if you would like to have or speak any words to somebody who maybe might be experiencing some of the things that you've experienced, the floor is open. This is your, your time and your space to do so. Actions at the end of the day speak infinitely more than words. I don't know who said it, but um, a pair of working hands do more than a thousand praying hands. Um, if you're out there and you don't know where to go, um, there are there are resources. There is uh, there's always the crisis line. Um, if you are in a toxic faith community and you don't know who to trust, honestly, um, I I mean, go to a. I I I don't really know. I mean your your journey is going to look different um all of ours look different that's what connects us i would 
or I would urge you to, you know, find that there is a, I think a, I think it's called uh, recovering from recovering from religion is uh, or is is one such yeah. resource. Recovering from religion, secular therapy as well. If yes. you um, have religious trauma, you might benefit from secular therapy. Recovering from religion itself has um, online support groups and in-person support groups in various countries. Yes, um, these are organizations that will help you infinitely more than people from your faith community saying that they're praying for you. Um, I don't really care how offensive that is. Um, it wasn't prayer that brought me back from the edge. It was connecting with my community. It was my friends outside of the church that were able to pull me back um, and getting into therapy. Um, it definitely looks bleak, I can imagine. I can, I can imagine, I can remember it. Oh, it will look bleak and things, the days just drag on. Each day feels like a year, but um, if you can't, if you, if you're in a position where you can't even do that, then I would say, start journaling, write that shit out, um, put pen to paper and get those thoughts at least somewhere where you can physically hold them. And um, try to engage with that part of yourself that is feeling that pain. Um, and uh, I guess I'll, I, I would finish by uh, actually, um, I'll read. Um, before my friend uh, departed, um, he left a uh, post on his Facebook page that has uh, been left up since 2016 as kind of a memorial. It's a quote from V for Vendetta um, talking about this uh, brings us all back for me. And um, if anyone out there is watching this is struggling, I want to read this to you. I want you to understand that even though I may not know you, love with you, cry with you, or kiss you, I love you with all my heart. I love you. I don't know who's watching, but I more than likely will never meet you. But um, please, please, please reach out to those resources. Um, do what you can. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. Just keep moving. I think that's really important, and that's a very powerful statement that you made. I did go ahead and I also put in the comments the link to recovering from religion for you, the link to um, secular therapy, and I'm also adding the 988 suicide and crisis lifeline. That's right. Because at the end of the day, you, each of you has lived the life that maybe is different from mine, but you are a human being and you deserve to feel like you're living a meaningful life. And a meaningful life can look different for different people, but you are worthy of a meaningful life and you deserve to be happy and feel fulfilled and have meaningful connections in life. Sometimes it's not going to be easy. Sometimes you're going to have to go through the fire. Sometimes you're going to have to sort through all the things that you're experiencing and feeling and it's going to suck 
but there will also be times of great joy and you deserve to have that. And with that being said, thank you, Joshua, for coming. Thank you for sharing so openly. Like I just, I'm, I'm honored to be able to hold this space for you and people like you. It means a lot to me. I'm grateful that we have, uh, our people who are listening and engaging in the comments, thank you. As always, you can like, comment, and share. This live stream was brought to you by the Misfit Amish and our Patreon subscribers. Thank you all so much. I I just couldn't do this without all of the support that we have from everybody. And again, thank you, Joshua. I hope each and every one of you has a beautiful